This is the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, the largest podcast for up and coming career coaches in the world, and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach. I'm your host, Philip Mianko, and in this show, we bring practical advice based on real experiences. And we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So let's get started. In this episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, I sit down with Lisa Lewis, who just recently got married, and now she's Lisa Miller. And I first got in contact with Lisa because I um, was a was a fan and am a fan of Jenny Blake, and I knew she was working with her and the Pivot Method. And I wrote down at one time that Lisa was one of the people who I wanted to work with and really just wanted wanted to become my best friend. And in this episode, um, you hear me talk a little bit about that, but more so, you hear Lisa actually break down some of the biggest challenges she's had in starting her own business, the sacrifices she's had to make along the way, but even breaking down some of the biggest things that you need to know about opening up your own business and the things that, especially in the beginning stages of the things you don't need to worry about and what's going to actually get you in front of paying clients to build a six-figure business like Lisa has. So enjoy my conversation with Lisa. Lisa, thanks so much for coming on to the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. We've had you on here before. And just before we hit the record button, I was giving you admiration about how much I've enjoyed your work over the years. But just like Scott, I think like people who I'm really interested in, I like stalk them and I go, all right, they're like, I really need to like, I'm on a mission for people to become my best friends. And on this podcast, and even the last season, I, I've made it my mission for people to become my best friends. And like, Lisa and I, I feel like we were already best friends before you knew who I was. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Philip. <laughs> but, and we've had you on this podcast before, but for people who maybe haven't heard of you or have heard, have heard of your business, could you give us a little bit of a, a background about who you are and, and what you do? Sure. Well, my name at this exact moment of recording is Lisa right. Lewis. But I just got married. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this, when it comes out, yes, we did get married during coronavirus. Yes, we did wear, wa- wear masks. Yes, we did have 10 people in the church, and that was it. So as soon as all the paperwork comes through, I will officially be Lisa Lewis Miller, transitioning to just being Lisa Miller in the future here. But my career coaching journey has been a, a cool one because it has collided with you and with Scott had happened to your career because I first started out my own business and my own work in 2015 and was out on my own as a lone wolf. And we can talk about that part of the, the journey as we go here. Yeah. But one of the biggest things that I did for my career and my business was in 2016, apply to do some affiliate coaching partnerships with other better established career coaches in the space. And I discovered Scott and his podcast and thought it was awesome and reached out to him. And he, a couple months after we had first connected, posted that he was looking to hire a part-time career coach. So back in 2016, 
I came on to the Happen to Your Career team as one of the coaches who was working with students who were going through the program, which had just been rebranded as Career Change Boot Camp in that season. So I was working one-on-one, -on -one, privately coaching individuals through my own brand. I was coaching individuals through Happen to Your Career and the work that Scott does. And I did that for two and a half years, I want to say. I, I did that through 2018. And then since 2018, have been working on my own independently as a career coach and have been super honored. I know you said that, you know, today we're talking about business and marketing and yeah. business building and numbers and all that good stuff. So I hope it is really inspiring for people listening to this to know that in 2018, 2019, and 2020, I've run a six-figure career coaching business. So when anybody tells you that coaches never make any money and you can't be successful doing that as your full-time job, I would just like for you to know there are people like me out there and tons of other people like me out there who built up businesses from the ground, started from scratch, did a lot of different business building activities over the years, and found ways to consistently generate revenue and serve the heck out of clients year after year after year. I love it. Come in here, setting the record straight for all of our listeners that, hey, you know what? All these excuses that you're coming with, you did it. I super appreciate that. In the beginning or even now, what tools have you used or that you have found that have been the most helpful or especially in the beginning stages? Gosh, well, I feel like the answer has evolved hugely over the years, right? Because if you're listening to this podcast and you are just starting out in your career coaching journey, or you're thinking about starting out in your career coaching journey, the kind of tools, the software, the tactics, the ideas that you use are going to be different than somebody who's five years in. So don't be listening to the person who is five years in and trying to implement all the crazy, big, fully featured bells and whistles software and all the things that they are doing, benchmark yourself against somebody who is just a step or two ahead of where you are right now to notice what's working for them and pay attention to people who are five years in to see the kinds of things that are on their radar and the way that they're thinking, but don't necessarily try to copy and paste all the things that they're doing. I uh, was coaching a younger entrepreneur and she was asking me about you know, what's the software that I use to do scheduling with people? And how do I do contracting with people? And I said, listen, you know, I've invested time and money into customizing a specific software solution to handle all these things in one place for me, because I have too many people coming in right now to do this in a one-off manual way. You, because you're earlier on in your business and you have a little bit more time to play with, and a little bit more to learn about how you want to be automating your systems can be thinking about this really differently. So in the very beginning, when I was getting my first clients, the tools and the software that I was using at the time were all easily available, fairly straightforward, fairly inexpensive things. I would find clients by talking to people. I would talk to people in online communities and forums. I would talk to friends and family. I remember that I got my very first client in person. I remember back when we were able to get together with people in person. <laughs> oh, so long ago. <laughs> I did a, a life goal planning brunch and it was a potluck and I had all kinds of friends bring various and sundry brunch foods and we did a 90 minute goal and life planning session together. And at the uh -huh. end I said, 
this is actually marking the beginning of my career coaching business. And if anybody is interested in getting a little bit of extra support, I'd love to talk to you. And that was where I got my first client. And the systems that I used to take care of said client was, hey, can you send me the money for our session through PayPal? Let me go and figure out how to set up a PayPal business account super fast. And can we go ahead and schedule the coaching session together using Calendly? And at that point, back in the day, Calendly had the ability for you to have, I think it was two meeting types for free. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't even paying for Calendly to use mm -hmm. to get things off the ground. And then, of course, I had my very first client and realized, oh, crap, I need an intake form. I need you know, a getting to know you kind of a form. So I whipped up one of those in Word and sent it via my personal email address. And at the very beginning, that was enough because that got me the information that I needed. It got me the ability to do transactions and to run the business in a way that is a little bit less elegant than some of the systems that I use today but super efficient and got that first client exactly what she needed to get started. I think you had a really interesting point about the, the benchmarking piece. I talked to so many coaches and it's the exact same thing that happens. They go, wait, but you guys have this stuff and you're doing this and this and this. And what I tell people, and especially in my early days of coaching, it's so easy to compare yourself with you are at step one and someone is at step 11. And that can just throw you off because you're like, but everyone's doing all of these posts on social media. They look like they're super busy. They've got this whole infrastructure built. I feel like I need to have all these things. But my tendency always tends to be like, I'm always wanting to complicate things and make things super big. We talked about my website. It looked great, but there was lots of work that went into that too. And really at the end of the day, it's what can you do simply to go get in front of your first client, your first five clients, your first 20 clients, and how can you make it as easy as possible for them to say yes, and to ultimately, I feel like, do what you got into this business to do. Yeah, well, and Philip, let me riff on that for a second, because my very first website looked horrible. <laughs> I, guys, I installed WordPress by myself, oh. I built it by myself, and it was a single page, black and white website. There were no pictures of me, yeah. There was no color. There was just the information. And then I think a link to email me if you were interested in setting up a coaching session. I hope somebody on here uses the, the internet archives and the Wayback Machine to go and find, I think it was so somuchmorecoaching.com and go look at it back in early 2016 to see just how unpretty mm -hmm. it was. And the bottom line is that having a really flashy, fancy website is typically only important once people are finding you without knowing who you are or without knowing anybody who knows you because it sort of is a reputation builder, a reputation creator. But at the beginning of your work, you should probably be working with people who at least know a little bit about who you are and what you're about or who can refer you to people and share who you are and what you are about, you are about to those prospective clients so that you don't have to work as hard building a professional reputation just to get off the ground. Yeah. And, it, and very much in those cases too, when you're in those first stages, I feel like often you are working out the kinks of your business. You're working out like your branding, you're working out what kind of coach you are in, in the world and who you best work with. And if you already start putting your flag down and going, I'm this kind of, of coach, it 
doesn't allow for that kind of natural process to really work through the failures that for any business or for any entrepreneur, wherever you're at, the things that we tell our clients to work through, it doesn't allow for those, kind, those exact kind of things. And another you know, thing that you mentioned in there too, you found your first client in a brunch meeting and that's, was that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's- I was living in Washington, D.C. I emailed 15 girlfriends and said, listen, it's January 1st. We got to set some good resolutions, some good goals. Let's get together in person. Let's make it happen. And I actually, something that I didn't realize at the time, but what was sort of beginning learning business acumen Mm -hmm. was that I wanted this to be a, a, a women identifying kind of a group. And, but I knew this that I didn't know enough people to fill a room, right? You email 15 people, maybe six of them are even available that day. Maybe four of them actually show up in person. So I knew I needed to reach out to a wider group of people to actually get a a critical mass of humans in one place. So I had a friend, his name is Mike, Mike Malloy. And I knew that he was really well connected. And so I reached out to Mike and I said, hey, I'm doing this goal setting brunch. Do you have any cool friends who we should invite to this? free, potluck, easy peasy. And one of the business principles that I didn't realize that I was thinking about and utilizing there was the idea of mapping your network and finding the people who are super connectors, Mm -hmm. the people who are particularly leveraged, the people who see relationships as important business capital and who take a lot of time and energy and effort into cultivating a really beautiful community of awesome individuals. Mike is one of these people, and he had a fabulous network of people in the greater Washington, D.C. area who were motivated by professional development, who would totally want to go to a free brunch to do some resolution and goal-setting stuff. And so it was by having that brunch and getting to meet people who didn't know me, but who had Mike vouching for me that really started the beginnings of being able to call what I was doing a business instead of just a hobby. I, I feel like we would have been like, I would have wanted you in my friend group back in the day. Like, Hey everybody, let's it's January 1st. We're getting the goal setting thing. Like, Oh my gosh, Lisa's my friend. Let, I'm going to this thing now. Um, who else can I take? Like if I was living in Washington DC, I know as a women's only group, I would have totally come like, can I just like sit in the corner over there and like see if I can like listen in? Um, what talking about that, you know, and you know, you mentioned something of you had an, a coaching entrepreneur come to you and you're giving them advice. But for our listeners here, what's what's the number one thing you recommend to new coaches in growing their business? The number one thing I recommend is serve serve, serve. And here's what I mean by that. If you are in the beginning stages of starting a business and establishing who you are as a service provider, you will typically have a sort of murky idea about who you help and how you help. I I imagine it like a very blurry watercolor, (laughs) right? Like this is your this is your Van Gogh kind of like lots of swirliness doesn't really look like reality, but you can sort of pick out some of the elements and a blurry watercolor 
is a, a great place to start. Yes, I know Van Gogh didn't do watercolor, it's fine. So a blurry watercolor is a great place to start, but it's harder to sell something that is blurry than something that is crystal clear. And so at the beginning, you've got to go from blurry to more in focus. And let me also say too, riffing on something, Philip, that you said earlier in this conversation, in the process of me and my business going from blurry to in focus, I've gone through three brands. This business has only been around for five years, but I started out with so much more coaching. And it was sort of life coachy, feel good about yourself, talk through the things that were hard for you, very vague, very, you know, very generalized language mm-hmm. to moving to be Lisa Lewis career coaching, which was the evolution in 2017 where I established career is my thing. Here is my specific brand. Here's my philosophy. Here's my flavor to in 2019 rebranding as career clarity because in the course of those four years that preceded, I had realized that while I did career coaching, I didn't really love doing the parts around job search coaching. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really love coaching people who were already in their existing role and they just wanted help navigating internal politics or getting that next raise. I was finding that what I loved was helping people flip the table on their lives and say, okay, the design, the track that I'm on is not working to allow me to be the person that I want to be, to feel the way that I want to feel and to make the impact that I want to make. I'm ready to make some big ass shifts in my life. When I realized that I don't just do career coaching, that I focus in on this specific way of serving people and making career changes and transitions and transformations that are big and scary, it required the brand to evolve and shift with it. Mm -hmm. But it's through serving people throughout that time that I was able to create a feedback loop to say, okay, who do I feel like I am helping best and what's the most fun for me? And how can I continue to find the Venn diagram of overlap where I can have both of those things be true at the same time. And when you're starting out at the beginning and things are blurry and you don't totally know what kinds of problems you love to support people with the most, or you don't know the specific type of person you want to support the most, or you don't know where to find the specific type of person that you think you might support the most, helping people on the cheap or for free is the best way to get the experiential data points and the feedback to validate that either, yes, you love this and you wanna be doing more of this type of conversation, or yes, you love this person, but you don't really wanna talk about this topic because this doesn't feel like your zone of genius and where you can Mm -hmm. serve them most powerfully, or you love this topic, you love this conversation, but there's a different industry or a different target psychographic or demographic that you wanna be going for. That serving, helps you to go from blurry watercolor to crystal clear photographic quality. And that same process also helps for you to increase your prices to be equivalent to the amount of value that you can create because you're solving a very particular problem for a very particular person. And it also makes it more fun. It makes it easier for your ideal clients to see you and understand what you do and to be attracted to you which then makes your prospective client conversations easier. Mm-hmm. But if you've got it in your head that you have to get 800 certifications first before you serve, 
and that you have to be serving people at $250 an hour or $500 an hour or whatever it is before you're allowed to coach, you're never going to get started. It is never going to happen for you. You've got to start before you're ready. You've got to be willing to work for less than you want to work at the end to get the experience and to get the miles on the tires to be able to see what feels good and what feels right for you. I'll give an example. So I, at my business, Career Clarity, I employ coaches now because as you would imagine, when you've been running a business for five years, sometimes the business starts to outgrow you. And in order to keep up with demand, I could have raised my prices up to being you know, $6,000 to work with me, which wouldn't have felt right in my integrity at all. Or I could find a way to add more capability and more capacity so that we could serve more people at more, more accessible price points. So I actually have hired a happen to your career trained coach onto my team. Congratulations. Thank you. It is a delight. His name is Brian Newkirk. Y'all should come and check him out. He's awesome. Uh, but Brian has been on a, a journey in his own coaching. He started out thinking he was going to do general career coaching. And then he took a hard left and he got a grief coaching certification. And I might be missing, messing up the order of these two, mm-hmm. but he explored a way of serving that felt really heart centered for him and felt really authentic and felt like it could have a possibility. And through doing both career coaching and grief coaching, he learned that his sweet spot was somewhere in the middle of that and actually just doubled down on enrolling in graduate school so that he could get his master's in clinical psychology and be able to be a licensed therapist and get to live his life at this intersection between the deep, intense emotions that people feel and practical tactical solutions that help support them in their daily lives and in their work. And so, you know, if you had looked at Brian's journey four years ago, he was at the blurry watercolor stage as anybody is when they begin a journey of wanting to help people and having some hypotheses and some ideas for how to do that. But it was through putting himself in the arena, serving people, noticing how it felt, noticing who he was able to serve most powerfully, but then give him the clarification and the certainty that grad school and becoming a therapist was what was right for him. This wouldn't be a wonderful podcast if we didn't drop a Brene Brown uh, reference in there. So first, thank you for saying the arena, but, um, but also just, just absolute mic drop moment. Like so much of what I find in this, this experience, but from especially what you shared is, is going and putting yourself out there, getting those real-time feedbacks to really work through who are you most, um, who are you most in line to serve? Who are you going to help the most? As coaches, we, I find the biggest challenge is we want to help everybody or we're in a position where we want to help as many people as we can. And that can be so tempting, but it's very alluring and it kind of it's not going to put you at your best because at the end of the day, you really need to be, who are you most um, able to help in the most impactful ways? And then if you're not able to help other people, like you mentioned, there's a network of other coaches, some that we've heard on this podcast, other people that both me and you know. And so I think 
it's so impactful to to allow yourself to explore but allow yourself to be open to that exploration because i feel like as coaches we expect that most people should know that we ha we have everything figured out and the, at the end of the day we're just business owners like everybody else and we're we're figuring these things out the same thing i think that's so impactful really for people to, to hear behind the scenes is that you've gone through you said three rebrands over over that time most people think, yeah, we've got this brand. I came up with this idea. It's going to go forever. But at the end of the day, it changes, it morphs as you grow as a person, because that's this whole process that your business grows as well. And with that growth, it comes challenges. And I'm, I'm curious, and even you put that in there, maybe you mentioned it. What are some of the biggest challenges you've had in growing your business? Oh, uh. <laughs> the, the biggest challenge in growing the business is that the challenges are never done. Mm -hmm. That I, so I do coaching full time. This is my full time business. I'm an entrepreneur, self employed. But I started my career working in nonprofits and then working in corporate. And when you work in the, one of those organizations, if you want to take a vacation, and go on PTO, somebody else is working on generating the money, somebody else is gonna cover your clients and your stuff while you're gone. If you hit a question and a problem that you don't know how to fix in your role, you've got your supervisor, you've got your teammates, you have interns on the team that you can task on doing the particular thing. And so you have a lot of resources available for you to support you in problem solving. When you're out here, on the Wild West as an entrepreneur, you have to be a little bit more resourceful and a little bit more scrappy on your own. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that there aren't resources out there, right? There are business coaches. There are people who can be mentors. You can be a mastermind. There are a million different ways that you can get some additional perspective. But a lot of times you have to move fairly quickly on things. So sometimes you just have to make the best decision you can with the resources that you have. And sometimes that can be tiring. Because every time you evolve and grow your business, the kinds of challenges that you face evolve and grow with you, right? When I was first starting out the business in 2015, 2016, the biggest challenges were, how do I get anybody to take me seriously as a coach? How do I create proof that I can do what I say I can do? And so in those days, the biggest challenges were, how do I create testimonials and create case studies, which spoiler alert means that you have to serve clients and serve them well. And then how do I start to elevate those indicators of competence and indicators of capability to be exposed to a larger number of people so that more clients can find me if I seem like I could be a really good fit for them. And so that was learning how to get yourself in other people's media in front of other people's audiences, things like being on being a guest expert on podcasts, mm -hmm. being a guest writer on someone's blog, being a guest expert who's featured in news articles, things like that. And at this stage, those are challenges that I already know how to solve. I've already dealt with those. I have, you know, I've become a black belt in figuring out ways to get that kind of media exposure. But the challenges that are facing me today are questions kind of like I mentioned about how do I keep growing and scaling and 
and creating a business that can serve as many people as possible so that I can take all the knowledge I have acquired over five years of doing this and share it and disseminate it and scale it out to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. And right before we pressed record, um, I was telling Philip about how I am writing a book. And it's partially an answer to that challenge of, I have learned so much about the difference between somebody just making a job change and somebody making a fulfilling, satisfying, lucrative career upgrade as a part of their career change journey. And it feels selfish to hold on to that information and only have it inside my own brain. And we share that information with people who come and do programs with us and who say, yes, I'm ready. I want to sign up. I want the transformation. Let's get it started. But I also recognize that there are tons of people out there who are teetering on the cusp, right? They're on the precipice. They know that things aren't great in their current situation, but they have no idea how to take that first step or leap or jump to start moving into what could be next. Mm -hmm. And so having a resource that can meet people at that level and say, hey, there's a framework and there's a system that nobody talks about that I want to share with you so you can have this information and be equipped with it to navigate your career for the next 20, 30 years felt really important, really on mission for the work that we do. So the biggest challenge of the entrepreneurial journey is knowing that the challenges are never gonna stop. And learning to lean into that and say, all right, like, let me, let me get ready. Let me prepare. Let me figure out what this day and what this business needs of me, as opposed to getting into the energy of the, I have to, mm -hmm. like, oh, like not another day of this. Oh, another challenge. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And it can sometimes be as simple as being an attitude shift and a mindset shift of, Instead of, I have to figure out how to do payroll with my coaches. It's the, I get to figure out how to do payroll with my coaches. Instead of, I have to figure out how to find more potential coaching clients so that my team can be making money. It's, I get to. But sometimes reminding yourself and doing the self-coaching to go from the, I have to energy into the, I get to energy can be hard. And figuring out how to give yourself more breaks and more resources so you feel like it can be sustainable mm -hmm. can be hard. But if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my gosh, Lisa has just scared me off of doing this forever. This sounds terrible. I don't want to deal with never-ending challenges. Let me just remind you, it can be done. Don't just look at me. Don't just trust me. Look at Scott. Look at Philip. Look at tons of other coaches who are out there who are making this work on their own terms. It is totally possible for you if you want to lean in and say yes. But the decision to lean in and say yes is one that you have to remake every day because the challenges keep coming and it's a journey. A hundred percent. I think so much. It's such a journey. It's something that most people aren't willing, aren't willing to do or don't know exactly of everything that's going to come up. We think we might have like going off on this, on this like new, new path. And we know all the growth. We know this is going to be scary. We know we're going to be going on our own. And there's, and the, and the thing I think that you mentioned that is super important 
and to remind everybody here is that, at least what I found, the coaching community is extremely supportive. There's lots of coaches who are doing a lot of different things, whether it's career coaches or um, any other types of coaches. I found this whole community, this, this whole group of people is very supportive and actually like, I, I, I go as far as say has each other's back, but more so it's, we know every, we've all been there. We've got the tattoos to show. I've been in that first stage of this client. I've been these stages. Here's the next, next types of things to do. And so I always like to tell people exactly, exactly what you said. And of course, Lisa comes on here and says it the best way and, and it leaves me speechless at the end of it. So more of what I want to keep digging into a little bit more is for, or at least what I always like to do when I, when I get the opportunity to speak to individuals who are really interested in opening up their coaching business, a lot of them want to come in a, to the aspect of that exact, hey, I want to be able to travel. I want to set my own schedule. I want to be able to do all these things. And I say, that's great. And, but on the other side, there are things that you have to give up and there's things that you have to sacrifice. And I'm curious for you, in starting your business, what are the biggest things that you've had to sacrifice as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a coach, as a leader of other coaches, like all of those things? Oh, this is such a juicy question. I'm so glad you're asking it. And um, there is an episode of the Happen to Your Career podcast where I actually talked a little bit about some of the things that I have had to give up. So for me, the biggest things that I had to give up in the beginning, let's say there are three things. Two of them are a little bit more tangible than mm -hmm. the others. Thing number one that I had to give up was back when I was an undergrad, I was an economics major. So thinking about things in dollars and cents and in terms of risk management has been ingrained into my brain. So thing number one that I had to give up when I decided I was going to go all in on building my business was I had to give up unnecessary overhead expenses mm -hmm. because the more recurring payments and stuff that require you to be sustaining a certain amount of income every single month you have, the higher the threshold is of the amount of monthly recurring revenue you got to get to, to be able to hit freedom. And I probably three months before I had decided that I wanted to double down on career coaching had just bought a new car. It, it was new to me, but it was still expensive because it was an SUV. It was a couple years old. And I realized pretty quickly that having to make a, whatever it was, $290 a month, car payment every single month was, was going to really cramp my decisions and my possibilities. Mm -hmm. So thing number one that I gave up when I decided I was going to double down on this was unnecessary overhead expenses. I sold that car. I used the amount of equity that I got out of it to buy a 2005 Toyota Corolla crank windows. Y'all, we are not talking about anything fancy. But that, that was reliable, that got me from point A to point B, that I could count on. That was important. Low maintenance, low issues, knocking on wood, it'll still keep going for years and years here. <laughs> that was thing number one I had to give up. Thing number two I had to give up was I had to give up a sense of complete freedom and choice over how I wanted to use my time. So when I first started out the business in 2015, I was working a full-time job 
doing multi-million dollar ad buys for an education tech startup in the DC area. And in order to start a business, it requires time and it requires consistent time. It is tricky to try to set up the infrastructure for an entire business in a weekend and then not put any thoughts or any time or any energy towards it for a month. So I made the commitment to myself that Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights from whenever I got home from work until 9 p.m. those nights, it was going to be business building and coaching time. And that I would throw in some time on the weekends as needed, but I was trying to limit that amount of time so that I could have some work-life balance and some boundaries of some sort in there. And I had to do that for a year, a year and change, I think, to be able to leave my full-time job. So I had to give up being able to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted to. And I actually quit a choir that I was in because I needed to get back a little bit of extra time to put towards the business. And I figured I can give up this particular singing outlet for the short term in order to have the time and the space that I need for the bigger picture, long-term play that I am making here. So thing number one I had to give up was the car and unnecessary overhead. So being very pragmatic, very practical, very you know, chief financial officer about it. Mm-hmm. Thing number two I had to give up was unlimited free time and ability to do whatever I wanted in leisure. That this business was worth giving up some of that time to put towards it as an investment in what could be into the future. And the reason why I did that was because building the business was fun, by the way. If you do not find the activities of building a coaching business to be fun, you don't want to build a business that you hate to run. Don't build a business. Go find other ways to do coaching. There are a million other ways to do coaching and get paid for it besides becoming an entrepreneur. And thing number three that I had to give up was I had to give up the belief that I didn't know what to do. So for anybody who's listening to this, who is a perfectionist, I'm looking directly at you right now because we perfectionists have caught ourselves in this really interesting thinking trap of if I don't already know, if I haven't already figured out the answer, if I don't know it at the moment that the question is posed to me, then I must not know. Mm -hmm. I, I must be incapable. It must be impossible for me. And If you let yourself continue to believe like, well, well, I don't know how to build a website. I don't know how to set up a scheduling tool. I don't know how to build something like that. And you put a period at the end of that sentence, you're never going to make it. That attitude and that belief will not serve you. If you want to make it, building a business, having a thriving and healthy coaching practice, you need to learn how to deal with the I don't knows. Right? Because Philip, I mean, you can certainly speak to this too. One of the biggest things you have to do as a coach is help people through the I don't know roadblock. Mm-hmm. The I don't know can't have a period at the end of that sentence. Otherwise, mm-hmm. your, your client has given up on themselves. They have abandoned their sense of resourcefulness, creativity. They have abandoned their willingness to try. And you can't do that to yourself either. So you have to figure out what you are going to replace I don't know with. Mm-hmm. It could be I don't know, comma, but I have some ideas of who I could ask or I don't know, comma, but here's what I'm going to try or I don't know, comma, and I know I'm resourceful enough to figure it out. 
because any of those beliefs and attitudes is going to be more helpful and more adaptive for you to be able to find a path to keep moving forward. Right now, I'm in a, a stage of my business where I am considering making a big business model change and the I don't know monster creeps in for me here, even five years later. And if I let myself believe, well, I don't know how to change this part of my business model, then nothing happens, right? Then things atrophy, then they die, then the problems continue to say problems. But if I look at this and say, well, I'm not sure how to do this, but here's what I think I could try. Then we're cooking with gas. Then we have a path forward. Mm -hmm. So those are the three biggest things that I had to give up to be able to have the business and the life and the freedom and the ability to go and work remotely from wherever I want, which I had back in 2017 before it was cool. <laughs> yeah. So if you can look yourself in the face, in the mirror, look your, and reckon, reconcile yourself with the things that are internal obstacles to what you want in this world, you can be a really powerful entrepreneur and coach. Thank you for sharing all three of those things because that's super powerful because it's, it's just what you've been doing since we hit record, this real talk for people. And it very much is, I, I feel like when, before you start a coaching business, before you become an entrepreneur, before you hit the go button, these are the things you have, have to know. I, I come from a small um, family business. We had a trash, um, trash trucks and a whole landfill with everything. And what I always told people is that, you know, my name's on the front door. So it doesn't matter. I get to talk, uh, get to do all the business deals, but also it's also the, I have to sweep the floors. It's everything. As a business owner, the buck stops with you. And especially the buck stops with you. And in those instances where you come in the, I don't know, it's your job to figure those out. And there's, and if you don't, there's somebody behind you or has some other business that will figure it out. Or if you don't, you aren't serving the people that you have come into this business to serve in the best way too. And so it's, it's I always think it comes back to the, why, why are we doing this? Why are we coming in and, and having and going like having those Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday um, work sessions in the evenings. Why do we do all these types of things? And coming back to that essence, I think is critical and a constant reminder that like we're talking about for you, even from the, from the growth perspective, constant needs to be revisited too. So on that note, one of my last questions for you is what are you doing now in your coaching business that, you know, you didn't think you would be doing four or five years ago? Uh, I have a team. I thought when I first started the business four or five years ago that if I just could work by myself, make decent money, serve people, sort of have a quiet, easy entrepreneurial existence, that that would be enough. And it would have been enough, but there were people coming to me who wanted support and I didn't have the time to serve them. And like I said, I didn't want to gouge my prices up to be able to to sort of like make more money and change the demand curve in that way. Mm -hmm. So I never thought at the beginning of this that I would be hiring a team. 
So I'm really excited that I gave myself permission to let the business and let the dream evolve with me and to continue to iterate and create new dreams as I went. That's like mic drop moments the entire time. So thank you so much for, for coming on this episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. Um, like I mentioned, Lisa, I feel like of everybody in this entire space and I look at like the future of coaching, I feel like you are on the top of your game. And I feel like in five years, 10 years, when we've got like the future of career coaching and who's going to be the top spearhead of that, I feel like that's going to be Lisa. So I very, very much appreciate your time and thanks for coming on and sharing all of these insights. But before we go, where can people find you and how can people get in touch with you? Well, Philip, I, I first really appreciate that, that compliment and yeah. the kind words. And if there's anybody listening to this who wants to see more about the business and how we structure things and where we are five years in, you can come and check out our website at getcareerclarity.com. And if you have any particular questions specifically for me, I'm happy to answer them. You can email me directly. It's Lisa, L-I-S-A, at get careerclarity.com. Don't be shy. Feel free to hit me up. I'm happy to send you resources. I'm happy to connect you with Philip or Scott, whatever you need. Let me know because part of my mission and my service through this work is in wanting to help talented, capable, ambitious people who are feeling stuck break free and finally get on their path. Well, thank you again for your coming on the podcast. Thank you for your time, sharing your insights and this is not going to be the last time. I'm sure we're going to see each other, but I'm super excited for whatever the future holds. And the next time I get to talk to Lisa Miller. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. And you can reach me directly at philip at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>